I, I need to begin with an apology. Um, yeah, because, um, and, I, and I've done it before, and so I'm apologizing it for it, and, and I guess this is like repentance. I'm, you know, I've done it before. I'm actually aware that I'm probably going to do it again, so I don't know what to make of this kind of apology. Um, like, I'm sorry for doing it, but I'm going to do it again. It's not much of an apology. But I have stood in front of you before and said, this is the most important scripture you'll ever hear. I have. I, I did it like five, five or six or eight, eight weeks ago. I mean, just earlier this summer, I was like, oh, this is, I mean, like, this is the, this is the top of the top. And, and then I get, then I get to a Sunday morning, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Things have changed, and I know you better, and I know me better, and God's revealing more to me, and now this is the most important scripture you'll ever hear. And so that's where we are this morning, right? Um, and I mean that, genuinely. Like, this is what it's all about right here, right now. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to read it from the, and, and the screens will reflect this. I'm going to read it from the message translation by Eugene Peterson. I really like the common English, um, and I'll be back. In fact, I'll be back in the common English before today. This morning's over, but, but I'd like to read the first couple of sections from the, the message translation. Uh, he does such a good job of taking the scripture and, and presenting it in a way that, that really works with our modern ears. And this is what he says. This is what he says. When Jesus arrived, this is Matthew 16. I'll begin in, in what is verse 13. When Jesus arrived in the villages of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, what are people saying about who the Son of Man is? They replied, some think he's John the baptizer, some say Elijah, some Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. He pressed them. How about you? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus came back. God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books or from teachers. My father in heaven, God himself, let you in on this secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you are, really are. You are Peter, a rock. In the Greek, he was saying, you are Petro, a Petros. He's, he, he uses two words that both mean rock. One is the masculine and one is the feminine. He's saying, you are a rock. A rock, right? You are a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church. A church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom. Keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. And then the way Eugene Peterson translates it, which sounds so much like our scripture from a few weeks ago. Our message from you a few weeks ago. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. And a no on earth is no in heaven. Many translations um, are, 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 would have translated that as um, that which you bind on earth is bound in heaven. And that which you loose on earth is loose in heaven. And this is, this is, the, this is the 
ancient language for what we would call a yes to this and a no to this. To bind something and to loose something. To loose and bind is, uh, is, this, is this is Jesus' promise. And if you get wide-eyed and go, okay, what? Then you're exactly right. This is Jesus' promise to the church. That, that if you, church, are aligned with me, then what you do down here is ratified up there. If you, church, are aligned with me, then what you are against down here is ratified up there. Now, of course, there's a big, huge, just huge, ginormous asterisk, which is what? Well, you've got to be aligned with God. But if you are aligned, it's this massive responsibility. This unbelievable word that Jesus gives to not just Peter, but to the church. And we are the church together. What you say yes to down here, heaven says yes to. And what you say no to, heaven says no to. And then he finishes up this little section. He swore the disciples to secrecy. He even made them promise they would tell no one that he was the Messiah. Hmm. Jesus asked his disciples, what do people say about me? And the answers are all either people or types of people from the past. You call that, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so we, uh, we're, we're hearing on the street because we got our ear to, the, you know, ear to the ground. We're hearing on the street that people think maybe you're Elijah or maybe you're Jeremiah or you're one of the other prophets, right? And, and the Jews didn't believe in reincarnation, but what they're, what they're saying, and I like the way Tom Long wrote in his commentary, what they're really saying is the people see you and it feels like deja vu. You know, everybody, maybe not everybody, I don't remember how old I was when I experienced the, my first sense of deja vu, but, I've, but I mean, you know, it happens from time to time. Like you'll, be, you'll be sitting somewhere, you'll be walking somewhere, and you'll have this, just this flood like in your head that says, Whoa, I've been here before. I think it's chemicals. I think, that's, I think it's the way our brain works. Like, I think that's my, like, sort of pseudo-medical understanding of what deja vu is, and maybe you can tell me something different, but, uh, but, but here's the problem with it, is what the people are saying is, when we see you, Jesus, we think you're nothing really new. I mean, you remind us, you remind us of this thing from the past. To, to put it another way that, that popped in my head, um, we, we, think, we think, you know, that you're, you're like the little figurines we have of the characters from our past, and we can dust you off, but, but, but the best we'll do with you is put you right alongside of these other big prophets in our little curio cabinet of religion. And we'll, we'll say, no, he's not really any different, any new. He's just like them. And so we're going we're gonna to either put him right next to Elijah because he's like Elijah. We're going to put him right next to Jeremiah. Or, he's like, or maybe he's like Habakkuk or Zephaniah or one of the other prophets that they were thinking of. You're nothing really special. You're nothing really new. Tom Long goes on to say, the people have turned Jesus who is a window to the kingdom of heaven into a mirror. They look at Jesus, but see only the reflection of religious ideas from their past. 
Now, listen closely to this. Encountering Jesus reveals who we really are. Encountering Jesus reveals who we really are. Jesus is Jesus. Jesus is rock solid. Jesus is not changing throughout history. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Son of the living God. Jesus is the past, the present, and the future all rolled together. But when we encounter Jesus, what's revealed most of all is who we are based on how we react to him. And, and, and I, can, I can see through Jesus into heaven if I choose to, if, if God allows me to, but I can just as easily see not through Jesus, but I can see in Jesus a reflection of what? Myself. And, I, and, I, and, I, and there I'm like, I'm like I, I look at Jesus, and this is the bad example. I look at Jesus and I'm like, yeah, well, he was just a really wise teacher. I mean, because read him, he was a wise teacher. Or, or I look at Jesus and I, I read him and it's like, ah, oh, Man, he loved people. Jesus just loved people. Nothing more, but he just loved people. Or, 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 or I, I look at Jesus and I see this reflection of, uh, yeah, he was this hippie dude and he loved the earth and the planet and he talked about sparrows and, you know, it just, oh, he was so good like that. How was that? That was hippie? That was, oh, maybe it wasn't. <clears throat> that's, that's not enough. Because I've just turned Jesus into a reflection of myself. So Peter's confession is extraordinary. Because, and, and, and Jesus says it himself, because God, God has revealed this to you. You didn't come up with it on your own. When Peter says, you're the one, the Messiah, the one who was promised in the past, who will change our future, and you're here in the present. This is of God. And, and, and it's worth saying that we're in our fourth week of doing this, but it's worth saying. Jesus tells yet another person good answer. It's, it's a lie that the gospel is filled with sin and condemnation and hell and fire and brimstone. It's, it's a lie to say that that's all that the scripture is. No, the, the, the other half of the gospel is that Jesus is for us. Jesus loves us and he on a regular basis is telling us, good job. Good job. You got it right. Nah, maybe you didn't get it right, but you got it right this time. I mean, he is for us. And yet again, he's for Peter. And it's beautiful. And it's amazing. And if Peter could have, he would have just had just the, the sun stand still in the sky and, and all clocks on the earth to just stop if they had clocks. I mean, he would have just, it would have just frozen right there. And what we're going to read in a second is that he really wished it would have. Because where it goes next is something very entirely different. Matthew chapter 16, the very next verse, says this. Then, so Jesus isn't done. Then Jesus made it clear to his disciples that, that, that it was now necessary for him to go to Jerusalem. Submit to an ordeal of suffering at the hands of the religious leaders. Be killed and then on the third day be raised up alive. Peter, 
Read the words. Read the words. This is not Scott adding to the Bible. This is in the scriptures. What does it say? Peter took him off to the side. Took him off to the side. And came over here and said, you guys stay over there. Jesus, real quick. (laughs) That's not right. There's no way that that's what's going to happen. No way. Jesus says to him, Peter, get out of my way. Satan, get lost. You have no idea how God works. And the other 11 are all leaning in going, oh, snap, he called him Satan. (laughs) Satan. But then we have to remember, Jesus has a little bit of history with Satan, doesn't he? All the Gospels tell us that that, that Jesus was baptized in the very next episode, moment, minute of his life, he's whisked off into the wilderness where where he's fasting and preparing for what's coming next. And at the end of that ordeal and trial, Satan himself comes to Jesus to tempt him. Once he does it, twice he does it, and on the third time, which Matthew tells in, um, Matthew tells in chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, it happens like this. Then the devil brought him, Jesus, to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He said, I'll give you all these if you bow down and worship me. So I know, I know we've gone back in time. We're doing a flashback real quick, all right? We're going back in time, and, and what we realize from this scene is that Satan comes to Jesus and says, I'll give you all the power. I'll make you the Messiah. I'll give it all to you. And, and I'll let you skip the suffering. What a deal. And Jesus says, not just no, but no way. Get out of here. And the devil vanishes. He quotes scripture back to him, and and, the devil flees. And so, so when Jesus tells Peter, get behind me, Satan. Get out of here. Get out of my way, Satan. This is, this is not just some idle word. This is Jesus saying, I've been here before. And when you're telling me over here off to the side away from the other 11 that I can be the Messiah but I don't have to suffer, then you don't get it. I read one, where, one place that, that it's like a two, it was like a two-question exam that Peter took in these back-to-back stories. And on the first question, he got it right. You are the Messiah. And on the second question, he answered, and Messiahs don't suffer. And he got it completely wrong. Because you can't have the first without the second. It's, It's the agenda of hell to tell us we can live our best true life. It's the agenda of hell to tell us that our humanity can avoid trouble and suffering. It's the agenda of hell to tell us we don't have to go through the tough stuff. That there's a shortcut that there's, that there's cliff notes and we can just skip the, reading the whole book. It's the agenda of hell to tell us this and Jesus tells Peter, get out of here. That's of the devil. 
and I won't stand for it. I, I, think, I think that there is both a warning and a word of encouragement that this happens to Peter. The warning is this. Saints sometimes stumble. Saints sometimes stumble. So you, you can have it together. And then the next paragraph, get it completely wrong. Saints sometimes stumble. You're sitting in a room filled with saints. You know this, right? And sometimes we stumble. Sometimes, sometimes we go from the pinnacle of the mountain to the very valley of the shadow of death, and it, and it seems like we've just fallen off a cliff. It happens. That's the word of warning. Be vigilant. Be prayed up. Have people praying for you. Get into a group. It's not enough to come and hear a bald-headed preacher or even one with hair for an hour on a Sunday morning and then walk out of here back into the world and think that's enough. We've got to be in groups. So we're, we're out there saying say yes to being a group. We're offering, you know, we've been doing it for 100 years, Sunday school groups that we call Sunday school classes, but, but, but we're going to offer them on, on, on Wednesday nights. We're going to offer them during the week, and Jesse's got, we, we got this campaign to say yes to that because saints sometimes stumble. But the word of encouragement is this. Jesus doesn't quit on us. Because then in the very next story, guess who's right by his side still? Peter. I mean, in the next chapter, they go up to the Mount of Transfiguration, which is amazing. I mean, it's better than Disney World. It's, and I'm saying this to some Disney World people, right? You know, I mean, it's, it's awesome. It's the, it's the pinnacle. And he takes Peter with him. Peter, who just a second ago, he was calling Satan. And now, and now an, a, a minute later, Jesus does not quit on us when we mess up. Jesus does not quit on us when we stumble. Jesus is still for us. But he's not going to shy away from telling us the truth. And the truth is to deny our full humanity is of the devil. Jim Hauser was at the 8.30 service this morning. Along with his two sons and others in his family. And I tell you, in all my ministry, I don't know that I've ever, I don't know that I've ever shared prayer concerns and had a pastoral prayer more difficult than just a half an hour ago. Because it's, it, it's easy to read off a list. I mean, Larry, it's easy to read off the list and say, well, we're, 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 we're happy about this and we're sad about this and we're pulling for them this. It, it's easy to do that when they're somewhere else, but when they're in the room, when they're in the room and we're reminded that suffering is here, on the third row. 
and it's hell that would tell us we can avoid it. To encounter Jesus, to encounter Jesus, is to come face to face with the one who reveals who we truly are. We are made in the image and likeness of God. We are called beloved. And we will have trouble. And there's no shortcut around it and there's, there's, there's no way around it. And this is countercultural, and this is against the world, and it's been that way not just for a year, not just for a couple of years. It's been that way for a long time. Some of you in the room were around in 1970. So some of you in the room remember it closely. Some of you in the room, um, I'm looking at people, and you're like, no, I wasn't. What are you talking about? <laughs> 1970, we've, we've read about it. We've studied it. We lived through it. Ready? You with me? Ready, church? So... 1970, the world is flipped, America is flipped upside down with this, with this, this, this social upheaval. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, free love. I mean, it's just, just it's, it's over the top. A group of seminary students in 1970 from Perkins School of Theology down in Dallas, um, in between semesters, get together, and they want to, to, to spend time not just studying in the books. They want to get spend time like learning from how the culture is getting it wrong and what the church can say about it. And so they spend days together and they, they're in worship and they're in prayer and they're studying together the scriptures and at the back end of it they say, we, don't, we can't fix it all, but the best we can do is speak the truth. And so they begin to write out a creed and they call it a common creed. And this is what they say. This is the common creed that they wrote back then. It's not all of it, it's just a little bit of it. Standing before the mystery, man discovers that he has but one life to live his own. To accept that fact and to live it is to receive grace and to discover that all of life is good. And when we die to our illusions, which is another word for denials, that life is in any other way than that, we discover the secret of all life. To die is to live. We are those who name this happening the Jesus Christ event and reclaim it for our time the message of the biblical people. To be a biblical person is to embrace our full humanity, which says we get power from the one who had it. But we also get the suffering. We also get the heartache. We also get the letdown. We also get that we're walking beside a, stain, a saint when they stumble. And sometimes they stumble and it hurts us too. But God's still for us. And God's still for them. And Jesus doesn't quit on Peter. And he doesn't quit on us. This is better than a good answer. This is the gospel. Let's pray.
Gracious God, we have encountered your Son, Jesus Christ, through your word, by your Holy Spirit. Help us to believe the truth. Help us to stop denying. Help us to move away from illusions and falsehood and lies. Give us this courage. Help us, we pray. And may may our lives touch others. This is the high calling. We pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. John Wesley rarely broke from his Anglican roots. He was a priest in the Church of England, the founder of Methodism, this movement that still goes on today that we're a part of. But he actually did break from his roots when it came to communion. He believed, and this is different than the church then, he believed that every person should take communion. Even those who hadn't been baptized, even those who, who maybe hadn't even professed their faith in Jesus Christ. Because he had seen that, that the very act of standing up in church and walking forward and receiving the bread and the juice converted people on the spot. This act, this sacrament, it's an invitation. Join with me as we hear these words of the church. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another as we pray. Merciful God, we confess we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. 
it is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering death and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup and he gave thanks to you, God. And he gave it to his disciples and said, this represents my blood, which was shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, a new covenant between God and God's people. And so in remembrance of these mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Let's pray. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by His blood. By Your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at His heavenly banquet. Through Your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in Your holy church, all honor and glory is Yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen.